G'day folks, welcome to another episode. This is the Shroom Live podcast and I'm your host Shroom and this podcast here is the how to catch your first brim on a soft plastic lure, the level one angler series as I've called it in the past. This is number seven, installment number seven and we've got a few things that we're going to be talking about today. But for those of you that aren't familiar with this concept, for the Level 1 Angler Series, I aim to explain to you things that may help you catch that brim that you've been seeking for those anglers who are starting off using soft plastics and even those who want to brush up on their skills who have caught fish in the past but not necessarily brim and have always found them to be some sort of enigma. This species permeates all the way, all all throughout Australia, throughout all the systems, practically as far as I know. So it's one of those species that everyone, probably at some stage in their life, has thought that they probably want to master it or at least come to better terms and grips with, given how prominent they may be. All right, so... Let's start off and kick off the podcast with one question that I keep getting asked, and that is, how long should the leader be? So, how long is a leader that is effective to do or undergo lure fishing? All right, so the short answer to this question is, I like to use an arm span length of leader. So, that may be a variable kind of indication of how long that might be so just to put an exact number or measurement it's it's about 1.7 meters in length give or take 5 10 centimeters so it's not something that I actually go out there and I measure out specifically I just get about an arm span and then I cut that off and away we go so first of all let's just delve more deeply into this and explain what a leader is for those that may have forgotten since this is the level one angler series i don't really assume people to know everything about the ins and outs of the terminology relating to fishing so a leader is practically made out of two types of materials generally fluorocarbon and secondly monofilament So those two types of materials are clear. So they're the clear lines and we use them as leader material, which means that we tie them onto the end of our main line so that we have a few advantages. And just to be really brief here, the advantages that a clear piece of line provides over braid, which is the main line that we're using in 99% of cases, is that it is clear It is colorless and that makes it harder to see for our prey, which is the fish. And also it provides a few other benefits as well, such as abrasion resistance. So it's able to basically be rubbed a few times and not sever as easily as braid just to the material itself. And also it has a special property that really does go well with fishing and that is it provides stretch stretch in the system that we don't get from the braid so braid normally doesn't stretch at all 
And so every little shock travels up the braid, but with a clear bit of line and a little bit of stretch, we can hold on to that fish and keep that hook embedded and not gradually tear out a piece of its mouth along with it as its head shaking. So, I mean, of course, that the fish is probably going to be able to dislodge a hook, you know, under a long fight with prolonged head shaking and movements, but that little bit of stretch does help to keep that hook in. You know, that's that's the main advantage that I see there. So, that's what a leader is. And the length, as I said, about an arm span, which is about 1.7 meters. Now, regarding what you should be doing, you can follow along with that principle as well of about an arm span. But I'm going to explain to you why I use that length. Okay, so first of all, if we use a piece of leader and the leader is too short. That's got to be the first thing that people want to understand is if a leader is too short, then what happens then? Well, it's a bad thing if the leader is too short for several reasons. Now, first of all, all those advantages that I listed before are greatly diminished if the leader is very short. So if the leader is short, then the braid comes in a lot earlier so the fish is more likely to see it. You're going to have a lesser amount of stretch when you need it to absorb the head shakes. I mean, the stretch itself absorbs a little bit of the head shakes. The rod does a lot of it as well. But between the two of them, that's the only places where the gear is going to help you absorb sharp movements. Okay, so number two, this is probably the most important one, and that is with a short leader, the working end of it, the point of contact with a snag is going to be a lot higher up. So you're not going to get that protection if the fish is running towards structure. So that's probably the main one that I can see that if the leader is too short, then that exposes a weakness in the way that you're fishing. Now, does that mean that Having a long leader is, well, a longer and longer leader is necessarily the answer to this question. And the answer is no, because there's a few things that also go the other way. So it is a fine balancing uh, concept here. So let's talk about a leader length longer than an arm span. What about two arm spans? Or what about three, four, five? Well, you have to have a specific reason to be using that much leader. But I'm going to give you some reasons why it's not always a good idea or at least that it's not simply more is better. So first of all, a longer leader means more stretch and therefore you lose the feel. You're losing bite detection and sensitivity because the stretch is going to be masking those little taps. That's one reason. Number two, you're losing sensitivity because attaching leader, which is the fluorocarbon or the monofilament materials, is it's going to weigh a little bit more than braid. So what it's going to do is it's going to weigh down the system a little bit more and that's also going to dull down your sensation 
of the bites. And you know what happens when things get a bit heavier. You're going to start losing casting distance as well. So everyone knows that when they first switched to using braid, how much further they could cast whatever weights that they were casting beforehand. And you're, you're going to be losing casting distance as well. Now, if you really can put up with those negatives, there's another major problem that could arise as well. So using extremely long leaders, sometimes it is so severe that you have to wind it onto the spool. And when you're casting, those lines along with the leader knot that has to unwrap off the spool can cause a backlash of some sort. So it's when the line just catches on somewhere as the line's peeling off the spool and it's, the whole system just seems to freeze or seize up and the lure doesn't fly anywhere. You know, that's a, that's, that's a pretty severe situation, but that does happen. And even if, it, the, even if it doesn't catch on the spool, it can most certainly catch on the guides as it's running out because the line speed bringing that line through with the braid that's faster behind it and the heavier weighted monofilament or fluorocarbon, it's going to cause all sorts of issues. So personally for me, I've encountered this before. I find that an arm span gives me a, a, enough leeway so that I'm not winding onto the spool. But if I was to keep pushing for a little bit more leader, which I do in some situations where I need a little bit more stretch or I want a little bit less visibility, or I think that I need a little bit more protection further up the leader in case the fish is going to find that in the fight somewhere along by rubbing me along a high ledge or some something of that sort, then I will adjust accordingly. But I'll always put it just before it winds onto the spool. Now, I know some people that do like to wind it onto the spool and that's fine if um, that is something that you can deal with and your gear can accommodate that. I think that for the real sizes and the and the rods that I use, you know, real sizes at around a 2000 or a 1000 size Shimano, for example, the winding angle is a bit tighter than that of a larger diameter spool of a 2500 size or maybe 3000 size reel that some people like to use. So in that case, they'll probably find it less problematic than how I would find it. So they're just some guidelines. That's the answer to that question. How long of a lead do I put? About an arm span, which converts to 1.7 meters, give or take 5, 10 centimeters. And under certain situations, I may increase or decrease that. But I'll talk about that probably in another, in another podcast. But definitely for the level one angler series, if you keep it simple like that, I've explained the logic behind using a length of leader of about 1.7. Okay, so on to the next question now. This one, somebody sent this one in. It's rather long, but I'll have a read of it in full because it's rather interesting. And it goes according to this. It says... I have access to a little jetty on the Georges River. I fish there quite often with bait and catch mostly brim and whiting. I've tried using soft plastics, but zero luck there. 
Maybe it was the action. Maybe the fish weren't biting. Maybe a combination of everything. The questions I'd have would be, would you recommend a new angler possibly have two rods? One with bait to cast out to feel bites and then swap to soft plastics to practice once it's confirmed that fish are around. And also, when using bait, I can feel bites, whereas soft plastic, I have no idea. If it's a bite versus hitting something on the retrieval, etc. This is a great question, and I actually did use bait and lures at the very start. Mostly because I was already fishing a spot with bait and then one day I decided to transition to lures so I brought that too. So I was fishing both at the same time. Now I did find that I had no success on the lures when I was using bait at the same time. So whether that is a real or a perceived problem, in my mind I've come to accept that fishing side by side with bait, well, bait or bait fishermen next to me using lures can have a negative impact on my productivity in what I'm doing. So I generally would say that it's not a good idea to bring bait along with you. And that's one big reason. So I don't have any concrete proof on why I think that to be the case, except my own experiences, which suggests to me that if I'm fishing next to some people that are using bait and they're getting bites, then it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to have similar success. And in fact, they may be working to my detriment. And one of those things, one of those reasons that I can think of is the fact that bait has a really strong scent and obviously it's natural, and generally bait fishermen are also burling up the area with similar offcuts and baits as well as what they're using as their prime bait. So the fish become switched onto that. So that means that me using an artificial, and even though I've scented it with something like S-Factor or Gulp Gel scent or another scent, it's not going to smell nothing like, you know, offcuts of pilchards and, you know, prawn heads and prawn juice and, you know, the whole lot of that stuff. Bread, it's just not going to be the same. So, I don't know whether that's a real thing. Like I said, I don't have any concrete evidence, but I would say that I'm of the believer that fishing next to someone that's using bait is not necessarily a good thing for me. So, I would say that having two rods, one with bait and one with lures, not only divides your time up, it means that the fish, even if you're getting bites, they're more switched onto one offering now, as opposed to the artificial offering. And artificial is always going to get trumped by the natural thing, if that makes sense. Another thing that I can see and that I've experienced myself is when you're bringing two rods you're probably not going to have much confidence in the lure rod anyway. You're probably going to set up the bait rod, rig it up, you know, tie your knots, put the bait out, 
and have, you know, half an eye on that rod whilst you're going to start to rig up your lure rod. And every time you get a bite, you're just going to put down your lure rod and grab your bait rod. And when the bites die, you're just going to put it back down and go back to rigging your soft plastic rod. It's just not going to work because that's what I did. So I know that if I've done that, other people are probably doing the same thing. No one rigs up a soft plastic lure rod and then flicks with that first and then goes and says, you know what, let me go put on a bait and get back to the lure. No, it's not. It's it's a case of let me go set down the static rod first, which is the bait rod, because that can look after itself. Then I'll get to the lure rod, which already places it in second priority. But then as you're doing all that, you've got one eye on your bait rod because it's always getting nibbles. And so you're never going to learn anything. So I found that I had success only one, only when I decided to leave that rod at home. So I only brought one rod, the soft plastic rod, worked on the soft plastic rod, learned to accept that I wasn't going to be as good with that as I was with the bait rod, believe in the, you know, believe in myself that at some stage I will get a bite. I don't need a lot of bites as as the bites you would need for bait fishing to keep you interested. A soft plastic bite is a very faint and subtle thing. It can just be the lightest flick of the line. But that could mean a quality fish on the end of it. And with your attention divided between two rods, you'll never you'll never detect detect that. I almost sounded a little bit of a New Zealander there. De- what, what did I say? De- detect or something, if that's a thing. Anyway, that was just a lame joke on my side, <laughs> on my part. Now, I'd also like to address that first part of the question. So you're on the Georges River, you're on a jetty, and you have caught brim and whiting there on baits. I've no doubt that you'd catch flathead there too. Generally, if you're fishing really strong lead, then you're not going to be picking up any flathead. But the second you put a moving bait, which is the plastic in this case, you're going to find flathead as well. So you already know that there are brim and whiting in the area. And most and, and undoubtedly, I would, I would put flathead in that category as well. So this just comes down to a confidence issue. Like I said, just just leave that bait rod at home and just focus on that. You know, you're on a jetty in the Georges River. I can already picture it. It's, you know, it's not too deep. The water is probably brown. You've got brim coming in at your feet. Sometimes they're small. Sometimes they're a bit larger. And I think one thing that I'd like to tell you to employ here also is if the water is actually not as brown as I think it might be and it's a little bit on the clear side, stay back. Stay a little bit back off the edge of that of that little jetty. You can cast along the side of it as well to work around where the legs are. Sometimes the fish are sitting in very close. But I find often too many times anglers just walk straight on top of it. They're pretty loud and looking over the edge. And if the water's not deep, it just makes the fish scatter. And maybe it's a good idea to have a cast at the jetty before you walk onto it. And then as you walk onto it and fish off the jetty, you know, stay back a little bit if you're not getting a great deal of distance in the casting, you know, range. Because you can scare the fish by being on top of them or being within sight of them. 
Now, like I said, if you're in brown water, that's not going to be is is not going to be too much too big of a deal. But if you're fishing in the greener waters, say you're down down river, I'd say from around the you know the Georges River National Park and out towards you know the lower stretches, starting heading towards Como and then you know Tarrant Point. Of course, by then the water is extremely clear. Then yeah, stay back. Unless the water is very deep. If it's shallow, yeah, no good. They'll see you. All right. I'm going to wrap up the Shroom Live podcast here. The Level 1 Angler series. Another installment. And before I go, make sure to shoot me a message. Shoot me a question if you have anything that you'd like to see me discuss on this podcast. I think that last question that I did about the Georges River, you know, the brim, the whiting on the jetty, that was a great question. I don't mind these long questions. I think it just opens up the discussion. And I hope you found that useful. And before I go, make sure you check out my weekly video vlogs on YouTube. That's my main. I'm also on Instagram and TikTok. Especially TikTok, if you want to shoot me a question, I'll make a video reply. And anyway, hope you have a wonderful day. And I'll catch you next time. This is Shroom signing out.